Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast from Sydney, Australia. I'm here. Steve's here. Steve is the co-host of the podcast. My name is Michael Boss. Good morning, Steve. Hello, Michael. I'm, I'm glad to be a guest on your show. Steve is the co-host of the Porsche Cool Podcast. Everyone knows that. Um, everyone knows that. Um, I know there's a hey, lot of um, uh, there's a lot of action in the in the podcast world at the moment in the Porsche Podcast world. I tell you, it's all happening is. out there. Everyone's everyone's special guesting and appearing on everyone's podcast. It's all going crazy. I can't keep up with it. It's just like an orgy of um, Porsche enthusiasts. What do you call an, an orgy, orgy of, Porsche, of enthusiasts? Porsche enthusiasts? There's a title for it's anyone an listening that needs a title for the next podcast. An orgy of Porsche enthusiasts. I'm not going to use it, so feel free to use it. <laughs> hey, um, how did the QR, how did the 12 minute long QR code thing go down? Did you get any uh, commentary on that? Yeah, someone said they really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Paul from Paul from Reengineering. You remember Paul? He's doing the uh, the yeah. 550, the Spider um, kit from the UK. With the design Hi, or engineering students. Yes, uh, Paul's yeah, got yeah. a really good project. Check that out at Reengineering. Go and give him a follow. Follow his project. He's on YouTube as well. Um, I think Paul enjoyed it. I think Paul sent me a message, didn't you, Paul? I don't know. I'm talking to you like you're going to answer, but I, I'm pretty sure you said something <laughs> about the QR code. I apologize for that. I was I was actually editing it, and when I was editing the podcast, which I do with every podcast, I had Steve in the back of my head saying, "Cut it out, mate! Cut it out!" But I left it in there. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't serious. Well, yeah, it's just like oh, just a long a long bit that's non correlated. A long bit. I hope this podcast is not too. a long bit. I hope it's not becoming a long bit. I hope it's still enjoyable. <laughs> um, Steve, yes. let's talk about a few things. We've got, go. a lot, we've got a lot to get through today because we're, we're going to do, we're going to do some profiling today. We're going to do some profiling in our inexperienced, well, my inexperienced way. Uh, you're experienced, more experienced than me. Talking about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do some Porsche profiling. What is the typical Porsche owner? But before we do that, let's talk about, let's talk about something we always talk about, your exhaust. Because oh. during the week, you took it to a garage near where you live and you switched out that loud exhaust which was loud for a reason do you want to tell everyone what uh, what happened the valve got stuck um turned out that the little um the valves are actuated by a vacuum and the where it um, meets the exhaust it was sort of split a little bit which meant when i was hitting i've got the little carnual remote which can force the um, valves open and closed um my effectively my valves were stuck open on my heinously loud exhaust which when the valves are stuck open it behaves pretty much like a cup straight through type exhaust which is loud um I think racetrack and I, uh yeah i don't even know <laughs> that but what i do know i've mentioned it before is that on a couple of drives ago when i hung out with marco um and i wasn't sleeping i had a headache blah 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 like it was just um i found it a bit much on the drive home from that one so it sort of prompted me to kind of uh, consider going back again, going back back one step and going to a sort of not quite so aggressive um, exhaust option. And it's good you have the options, right? It's good that you have this <coughs> supply of exhaust that you can just switch around. You know, you can mix and match. Some might say. <laughs> mix and match. Some might say. Mix and some match might parts. Say, some may not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... I took the plunge and just sort of thought, oh, um, I'll kind of go back one step and uh, pull this kind of 
fairly loud one, which I think I've had probably not quite a year, but maybe close to it. Um, it did make me also sort of ponder part of the reason why I think it's sort of changed for me is that since Marco got his um, turbo and right. you've been away, obviously, um, I've had the chance, like I've had a kind of car convoy buddy to go on sort of um, sort of more fun, twisty, longer drives. Whereas in the past, I was getting my jollies out of just driving to my parents, which is, yep. you know, like a 40 minute drive from where I live. And I think it's also meant that with the loud exhaust, it was appropriate for driving to my parents and back. But now that I get to kind of rev the car out more and sort of have a bit more fun with it, maybe the th theory in my brain was the quieter one might um, sort of mm. still meet that. So that's where it kind of got to. Yeah. And, you know, as you say, quieter, it's, it's not really quiet. And I'll get into that in a second. But, you know, it's... This whole exhaust thing, Stephen, I remember when I did my exhaust, you know, asking you all the questions and trying to find out the information. And it's not easy, is it? It's not easy to find no. out. It's trial and error, you know what I mean? And I know I think, yeah. um, I think on, the, on the WhatsApp group, I think Mark, um, hello, Mark, um, Mark, who's Hi got Mark. the 997 Carrera 4S cab, um, I think he was asking, asking that question on the WhatsApp group, right? I think he was, he was trying to work out what what exhaust here. And I think Rich from Coriolicious uh, answered and I think you answered. And it really is a difficult, it is a difficult thing, right? It is a difficult thing. And we know, you know, I like that little saying I saw during the week, flat sixes really do sing, you know, but mm -hmm. how loud do you want them to sing? You know what I mean, Stephen? Mm -hmm. And what tone do you want them to sing? And I like your, you know, we went for a quick, we went for a quick drive to start the week um, yeah. with Marco and you and I, Marco. And, yeah. you know, Marco had to go a little bit early, but we'll get into that. Um, yep. But, you know, I liked your exhaust. And, and you know, in, in me saying to you before we went on recording that it was softer, it was yep. softer, but I did the thing where I had my window down. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to put my window up. And this is when you yep. were, when I was hot on your tail because Marco had a bit of an issue with his car. Yeah, and yep. I can hear it. It's clear. You know what I mean? It's, it's still loud. <laughs> it's still loud in my car. Because even with the windows up, sure, with the windows down, it's louder and I can hear it and whatever. But I yep. still like the tone of that Acra. I really, I, I do like the tone of the Acra. Um, it's a I pity that the the valves were op stuck open on the other one because it would have been be good to hear it, you know, on and off. Yeah, and I was keen to get both of you to um, come for a ride and just give me a, a an honest opinion um, riding in the car because I think that's like when you sort of say, um, you know, like if you're in the kind of market where you're sort of thinking about sort of swapping your exhaust out the tone of it outside is so different from the tone of like when you're driving it. Yes. Like most, most of them sound like your car sounds unreal on the outside. I really like the sound of your car from the outside, but I don't sort of ride in your car much. So I can't quite remember what it's like on the inside. And I think it's very different. Um, it is very, it is very different. And you know, my main, yeah. my main point was I didn't want droning inside the cabin. Yep. I think because I've been following your Marco a couple of times, yep. um, I feel that, and I said this to you the other day, um, I mm. feel like my exhaust sounds a bit soft. Um, and it does sound really good when, and you know, I love the Fister. Don't get me wrong. I love the Fister. I think yeah. it's a great yeah. exhaust mod. It, it's, it's a great exhaust mod. It's not a full exhaust system. It's an exhaust mod, right? And sure, yeah. it's like the PSE exhaust. It's just not switchable. That's basically what Gundo and Fister is for those people who don't know. Yeah. But I just think, Steve, I don't know, sometimes I, I, lately I've been driving it and I've been in the lower gears and it still sounds good, but I'm thinking, does it need just that? little bit more and maybe that's because of 
<laughs> you know, five years, five years of ownership of this car. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. about a lot of things when I look at the car now. You know, I, I, yeah. sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad. It's very weird. I have this mixed emotions at the moment. And maybe this is just the five-year itch, the five-year itch on the, on the 997. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and then I think about those guys in the UK that we really like watching their channel, Friends, Green, Porsche. Yes. Um, and they always spec Miltech, don't they? They always do the Miltech on the 996s and 997s. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. So what is it about Miltech? And then I was reading up and I noticed a lot of other people like Miltech as well. But it's not an exhaust well that known. always comes up. See, I'm not a fan of sole performance. You know I've said that before. Um, no offense to the company. I'm just not a fan of the sound of it. I just don't think it sounds, and I know it's going to upset a lot of people, but it doesn't sound Porsche enough to me. It, 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 something about the sound doesn't sound right. I think the Acura oh. sounds right that you've got on and even the other one, but something with sole, they... Something to do with the tone is just not right for me. Never heard a soul in real life, so I will not comment against that. Um, Speaking of soul, I know James at Auto Image is a big fan of soul. Um, who's oh. doing his? Uh, James is doing his nine nine six videos again. I just sort of give a little shout out to James because you know, in in all respect to James, he, him and I, we don't really talk a lot anymore. Um, we're both very busy with our own sort of things going on. But James has been mm -hmm. a long-time supporter of the, of the podcast on Patreon, Steve. He's been a supporter since um, day one and still is. So thank you, James, and I hope the video is going well. If you haven't seen James's videos, just go over to Auto Amateur. He's doing his 996 at the moment. What's he up to? He's, he's um, working on his 996 again, is it? Yeah, yeah. He's got the Did 996. What happened? The, wasn't the engine? Was it something? I can't even remember now. I something believe. Something broke after they'd finished it. Yeah. So that's where it stopped. And I don't know the exact details because I haven't caught up on everything, but I believe um, he's getting a replacement or he's, okay. I think that's what he's doing. Um, I know he's doing the console so delete. I noticed that on James's Instagram, he's doing the console delete, which um, or he's done the console delete, which I know Marco is doing on his car as well. Um, it yep. seems like a pretty popular mod at the moment, that console delete. I like it. I think it looks good. Yep. So exhaust. Sorry, do yeah, you want to finish the exhaust thing? Yeah. yeah um, okay. What's the final? So what do you I'll think? I'll put the Acro back on. Um, I'm not sure because uh, I um, look. I knew instantly that I would miss. I would Friday. miss the kind of like the full-on noise of the um, old one because the good thing about the old one was you didn't have to kind of rev hard. You know, you didn't have to get to four thousand to kind of get all this sort of you know excitement kind of happening. It was kind of pretty cool, and it's got like um. What I enjoyed about it was coming from like nine nine three nine six four was that it had little undertones of like air-cooled sound, like the kind of really gruff, yeah. grumbly, sort of bassy sort of thing, Yeah. Um, which I know the Acra doesn't have. Um, don't know, don't know yet, because um, the drive that we just did was the first sort of um, drive since putting it on, and we didn't really get, kind of get to um, sort of drive a little bit more enthusiastically, and it was, it was pretty short, so I need to kind of, you know, just drive it a bit more and see. But I felt that I was closer to your rear end on that drive because of the yep. return part. Yep. And I could hear your exhaust, hear the Acra. Yeah. I like the tips. I like those titanium tips. I like how it looks. On the inside, it's definitely much quieter, put it that way. Um, and But I think, I think what the old one sort of maybe semi-masked was in a GT3, it, divorced of the kind of valve conversation, the higher up the rev range you go, the more it starts to kind of scream and howl. And I right. think the old one 
you sort of lost a little bit of that transition, which was like, again, one of the nice things right. about it. Or maybe it was just so bloody loud that you kind of avoided, you know, getting up to six, ah, 7,000 revs. Yeah, yeah um, you didn't want to go there. Oh, because it was so loud, like everything was just kind of going <laughs> off in the car. It's not good. <laughs> so, it's not good that it makes you feel on edge though when you get into your car, like if you're feeling a bit stressed by the noise, you know. But maybe it is the long drives, you know, and this is the, this is a main consideration yeah. with the exhaust, isn't it? If you're doing long drives, the whole everything that all the everything you look for changes, you know. You have to you have to think about all of those things, you know. If you're not doing little quick yeah. bursts, yeah. So. I don't know. Maybe best of both worlds at the moment. I think would probably still be somewhere in the middle. But um, yeah, let me let me keep driving on this for a second, then I'll um, all right. I'll come so back to you. so this Friday at eleven o'clock, you're not going to be at the garage getting it switched out again. Nope. Okay, just checking, just checking. Not yet. So as we said, um, on the way back from our drive, uh, Marco had, hello Marco, Marco had, um, he didn't really have a serious issue, did he? He had kind of a, it could have been a serious issue. He had had battery problems. Another thing that we always talk about, and you know what, I was thinking about it and I was watching watching you guys chat about it or reading you guys chat about it. Yeah. And I don't know much about batteries. If it was me, I'd just take not it to Order House and I'd just say, just give me the Vata battery that's <laughs> the right one that's not, you know, for the car that's not doesn't have functions I don't need or whatever. You know what I mean? That's yeah. all I'd say. Um, yeah. I just remember I had that silver one written down, whatever it was called, which I think that article that you posted mentioned the same one, F12 or whatever it was. It was um, F18. F18, Vata, yeah. Maybe? I think it mentioned yeah. the same one. Um, and the Bosch and Vata are apparently the same battery. They're cross-branded. But Marco had a bit of a battery issue. So what is what is the outcome, though? If your battery goes flat, do you have to get it reset, everything reset, or you don't? I don't know. So that's the that's the question at the moment. Oh, sorry, just a bit of background for everybody. Yes, so please do. Marco, Marco accidentally ran his battery flat before the drive the other day, so oh. he charged it up but knowing that he knowing that his battery which like his car is relatively new to him so he has no i don't think he knows how new or old or whatever it is um you know like when, when you run a battery dead you've got a pretty good chance of not being able to kind of revive it like you may have um cycled it out basically so he was smart enough to that's why whenever we stopped he opened his engine lid and put his little rag under there because he knew that he could get trapped and he you know he brought along um a jump starter and all that sort of stuff. So he was fully prepared, um, which, which he was had to use. smart on his behalf. Sorry, which he had to use. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he knew that all of it was kind of possible, but it's still just a pain in the ass. So basically, we went one way, we stopped, um, and then when we had to start up again to kind of go back the other way, um, even though like we'd been on a you know um, forty minute drive or whatever for him, um, he couldn't start up again. So his battery was basically screwed um uh, so he's in sort of battery replacement um time and then that started a conversation about oh what battery do i fit and whether he can do it himself whether he can go to a battery store find the right spec vata bosch whatever and then is it as simple as you unscrew it you know you unplug it and then you kind of put it back in and do you need to you know, like when you go to a dealership or even when you go to auto house, and I don't know the answer to this, um, mm. they tell you that, that they need to reprogram something, I think, or pair the battery to the car. Um, yes. Now, my mate with the GT3 recently did it himself. He's got the same car, exact same car as me and he swapped his battery out and 
I asked him and he he literally didn't plug his car into like a iCarSoft or a Durometric mm. or a Foxwell and all of that sort of stuff, like the home kind of, you know, gadget. Um, and he was perfectly fine with it. But if you take it to a Porsche dealership or if you take it to Auto House, they tell you that they do something, but I don't actually understand what that is. That's a question. Not a and statement. I think, Steve, if you yep. look at your manual, I think it says exactly the same thing in the manual because I remember right. seeing it there that it has to be reset by an authorised Porsche dealer or whatever. Yeah. I so remember I'm just seeing it in the manual. what that actually means. And I haven't checked uh, the page um, in the manual it's on, but I do remember seeing it. And, you know, of course, Marco's got a 996 Turbo, but we're guessing it would be the same as a 997. Could be. I yeah. have actually seen it in the manual. I do vaguely remember it. See, for me, I, you look, you know, I appreciate people do things on their own and want to fit things. But if it was me, I yes. would just, you know, Marco, I'd just, <laughs> I'd just take it to order house and pay the extra 100 for them to fit it. He's got skills though, so, you know. Um, yeah. He knows what he's doing. He's worked on lots of different cars. And just around that story too, like um, about a month ago, I picked up on a, a used iCar Soft Pro V2 right. for a Porsche off Gumtree for like 100 bucks. Some dude That's was moving overseas. Um, so I just so happened to have it in the car and I just kind of loved it at Marco and said, I think that you can do whatever this battery programming type thing is with it. Um, okay. So um, he's got that just in case he does need to kind of do something. Did you use um, the iCarSoft thing? Did you plug it in and see if any faults yeah, came up in your in. car? Yes, I did. Did any faults did. come up? Yeah, a few. I had that, um, my, the valve thing I think kind of came up. I, I plugged it in because that's when I had that um, airbag warning light thing right. kind of come up. Um, but is it easy to translate I, the errors? That's the thing that I want yeah, to know yeah, yeah. that it is. Yes. Yeah. It um it gives you a little description. It isn't just like a sort of numbered code sort of thing. But um, did the seatbelt issue come up? No, then. No, it wasn't logged. It wasn't logged. Right. So it, it, that obviously kind of tells you that, like you know, like a PWIS system that the dealers and Auto House etc. use is far more sophisticated because I know when they when Auto House plugged in. Um, it specifically said driver side seat belt something or other, whereas right. um, like the little iCarSoft thing didn't. Oh, actually, just on that, um, yes. I discovered I finally went back and looked at all my um, receipts and stuff. Um, I got it wrong again. What's um, this? What we are talking about last week? Your seat belt? Yes, the seat belt receptacle. That, that was very expensive, you said. I'll quote you. Very expensive. Uh, it's still expensive for what it is, like <laughs> the part, but... I said that I thought it had been replaced before, and I got it wrong. Um, okay. Last time it was the passenger side. This time is the driver's side. So that oh, makes a lot right. more sense. Okay. Well, that's good then. Yep. So is that part still? You're still waiting on that part, though, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. Wow, oh, it takes a long time, in. doesn't it? Speaking of parts, I told yeah, you this go. the other day. Um, I sent an, I sent an email to Porsche Center South Sydney. Is that what they call themselves? Yes. Um, yep. About the roof racks, the roof bars. Well, they yeah, don't call it that. They call it roof carrier, some long-winded name for that thing. It's not even called roof racks, roof carrier mm -hmm. system or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, they came back with a price um, and it was $928, I think. That's I'm trying just to find for the... That's just for the rack that, how do I explain this, runs parallel with the gutters? It's called roof transport system. Yeah. Yeah, root, no, it's for the whole rack, so everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the, but goes it's not into the, the gutters. Bars? 
Yeah, it comes with the crossbars and it comes with the plastic oh, okay. things and the locks. It's a whole system. It's called the roof okay. transport system. Um, yep. So it comes, no, no box, of course, just the racks. But if anyone is looking at those yep. for their car, they, they are still available for 996s and 997s. They are the same part for 996s and 997s. And if you have a Porsche Club membership, they cost you around 928, which another guy that um, listens to the podcast um, also mm. said to me uh, was about the same price. So I haven't decided, you know, I haven't decided. Then I watched an old video that Eat Sleep Drive mm. guy had a video about where he fits them and shows you how to fit them. Um, it should be pretty simple, but, you know, I'm not great at fitting things. So I watched that. Yep. The only thing that concerns me, Steve, is there's a bit of you've got to put the little bit of foam on, on your, on your uh, roof just so it doesn't scratch and you've got to make sure it's yep. covered properly so it doesn't scratch. You know me, I'll be worried yep. about scratches. Um, yep. In saying that, I have some more stone chips on the front of my car, even from the other drive the other day, which is a bit weird. Yep. Oh, considering what's going on with the PPF? Um, I don't know. Can I no know, money. You can do it? I don't know. It's a lot of money, 3000 I have to get another, I just, just touch on this very quickly. And I told Marco about it and I may not have told you about it. Um, I think you had gone to the loo or something, but. (laughs) The the, uh, ignition of my car, I've got an, I've got an an issue with the ignition and I don't know whether anyone's listening has had this same issue. And when you do a search for it, there's a few people who have had the issue, but not very many. And I know there's an issue with air cool cars, but this is with the 997. And this is this has been something I've kept a secret for a little while because it has actually been happening. It did actually happen just before I went overseas. And oh. it's when you have the car on, the car's on. Yep. You turn the key off, the keys yep. off, and then you pull the key out of the ignition, and the car yep. does not stop. The engine does not stop running. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah. So, and as I was Never saying to Marco um, at Christmas when we went to buy a reindeer skin. Because uh, that's what you do in Australia at Christmas, you buy reindeer skins. When we went to buy a reindeer skin, um, it was pouring down with rain. It was pouring. No, that's all, it's, all, um, it's all organic, they say. It's all very, well, you know, they're all played music before they kill them and stuff like that. So it's all nice. Yeah, cool. Nice. Um, it's a nice little satanic ritual you've got going on. <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, it was pouring down with rain. I was in Alexandria. I was in a shithole of a fucking the street it was awful yep. i swore then shithole of a street um and i almost got out of the car and the engine was still running because i couldn't hear it because of the rain because the rain was pelting down that's so that's so happened weird. a couple of times that's that's the rare one the other one that happens is you know i turned the sorry car so off. how do you turn it off then you put the key back you have in to put the key back in and then turn it off and then most times it'll turn off then but you can literally so pull odd. the key. It's off position. You pull the key out. Your engine's still running. There is some other dude on, on Renlist or something. Someone else has had a similar issue. And I think people said it's probably your ignition thing is gone, your ignition um, cylinder. Um, and that can cause a lot of weird electrical things to go on with the car. Whoa. Sometimes okay. what will happen is I'll put the key in and yep. then turn it. And it's like you have no battery. Like you turn it and nothing happens. And that's been happening more often um, since that I've been back. That sounds really disconcerting. Is yeah, that making so, you want to book it in? I think I have to because yeah. I think the other guy said you don't want to be stranded somewhere. You know what yeah. I mean? The engine yeah. not stopping is a real worry. That When that first happened, and it happened just before I went overseas last time, um, two years ago, and I kind of like, uh, you know, it's just a one-off. It's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And I think then I think it happened again and it was like, mm, okay, something's weird. Um, Not that I'm trying to worry you, but I find the more disconcerting thing is um, being able to start again. Like if you had gone somewhere and then you can't 
um, yes. actually kind of go the other way. Yes, and that's what I'm worried about. So I think I have to uh, I have to give Auto House a call and get that booked in and, and see what it is. Um, <clears throat> hopefully it's nothing. Well, I say hopefully nothing too serious, Steve. But if it's that ignition cylinder or whatever it is that has to be replaced, then you know, I'm sure it's not cheap. Yeah, my tip for that. I think I mentioned it last time because you know I was kind of rambling about parts being an issue, yes. part supply yes. and stuff. Give them a call and talk to them about it beforehand so they, they're prepared. Um, yeah, I will. I will. I mean, maybe they'll yeah. just take it in so they can diagnose it, put it on the PeeWiz. Is that what you call it? Yep. PeeWiz. PeeWiz, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. That just makes me think of... <laughs> Children peeing. Yeah, or don't know. I'm not going to say it. I, even I won't say it. If Ajmal was here, he would. Penis. I could tell the story when we are at the expo in Shanghai in 2010 um, no, and how, how a mother... Um, let her child take a whiz and it was not very nice anyway right. i won't tell that story steve i've got a couple th- let's get through the let's get through a couple of things because i haven't mentioned um i haven't mentioned owner stories this week if you haven't listened to owner stories i know steve hasn't it's number 66 it's chris um from tucson in arizona i'm not going to give away mm-hmm. too much in these little intros from on every episode now because i give away too much you I say it all the time yeah, I know, but I'm, this time I'm not going to. So it's Chris is from Tucson. Uh, go and follow Chris. His Insta is at C underscore underscore Klaus, K-L-A-U-S. Go and have a look at his car. He's got racks, Steve. He's got a box. Uh, Chris is really talented because he sent me a, he sent me a message a while ago and I cancelled on mm-hmm. him a few times just to, you know, scheduling issues I had over Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. But he he's a young Porsche owner. You know, he got his first Porsche under 30. I think he's just turned 30 now. Um, he cool. installed the PCCM Plus himself. He bought it from Suncoast and installed it. So that's worth a listen to hear that story. Oh, okay. um, he yeah, installed cool. it. Um, he is an engineer. Um, but he's got a 911 Carrera. It's a 4S. It's a 996. He wanted the all-wheel mm-hmm. drive. It's Arctic silver, great color. It's black mm-hmm. inside. Uh, he's got the roof box. He's got the Porsche racks. Um, he drives it all the time. If you look at his Instagram, Steve, he's he's out in the snow. One of the photos he posted with the box on in the snow uh, looks very, very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've seen that picture. Yeah. Yep. So I've had a few owners with um, boxes. We've had a few <laughs> roof box people, so it's been, been cool. We've had Lorenzo mm-hmm. and we've had Chris. But basically he he was hunting for a manual. He wanted a 4S. He was hunting for a while. This is a couple of years ago now. And he found one in his local area in Tucson. Um, the guy that owned it was fastidious. He was... The original owner, he the car was immaculate, uh, had never been driven in the rain. No one had ever sat in the back. This was all the selling points. Um, he mm-hmm. had the seat bolsters bolsters reupholstered in genuine Porsche leather, which cost him about seven k. So the car and and Chris pointed out that he used to clean his air conditioning vents. You know, used to clean them out annually with Windex and a small paintbrush. He used to clean all these vents out and stuff. So he's quite fastidious. So um, Chris has uh, Chris has got the car. Um, and he's driving it in the snow. He's putting the box on, and he's he's putting miles on it. I think he said he put thirty. I think he's put like thirty odd thousand miles since he's had the car in the last few years. Yep. So he's he's really yeah, driven cool. it. So um, it's well driven. Yeah, it's yep. well driven. It's a good story. Um, like I said, a younger Porsche owner. Um, and we're going to talk about age of Porsche owners, and we're going to talk about profiling Porsche owners in a second. Not that we're any experts, but we're going to talk about that. So I thought that was a good one to lead into into what we're going to talk about. But like I said, listen to Chris's mm-hmm. story, Porsche Good Owner Stories number 66, um, and give him a follow and tell him you heard, him sto- heard his story on Porsche Cool and Chris's Instagram 
one more time because I've even forgotten it. Um, at C double score, double underscore, very important, double underscore, Klaus, K-L-A-U-S. Um, Steve, recommendation. Go. <laughs> you want me to go first? Okay. Mine might yes. be a little bit long. If you don't have one, mine's probably a little bit long, but I know you have, I thought you said you did have one. Um, I just I want to do it. <laughs> you forgot it. That's how prepared I am for all of this. Um, yep. Well, mine is, and next week I'm going to do the same for another event in the UK, but my, my, my recommendation is a Porsche event. We don't talk about other people's events that often, um, but the next couple of weeks we will. And this one is uh, Stuart, and Stuart was on Porsche Good Owners Stories number 40, Steve. Stuart's from Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Hi, Stuart. Mm-hmm. Stuart's got an 85 Carrera uh, 3.2 Coupe uh, in blue. I'm trying to remember the color. Iris blue, I think. Iris blue, I didn't write that down, but I'm pretty sure it's iris blue Stuart. i hope i got that right um so Stuart sent me uh, an email about the uh, luftwasser event that he's behind mm-hmm. um and luftwasser is at the start of april um he's invited us to go along steve um you can buy your tickets you can buy the tickets at eventbrite if you click on the link i'll put the link in the description of this podcast so people can go from that link and see all about it um, but it's held over three days, Steve, in the Albury Wodonga region in Victoria. Yeah. Um, so what's that? Is that nine? No, not nine hours. It's probably about seven for us. Yeah, you want to do it? Yeah. Are we uh, doing it? No, we're not doing it. Are you going <laughs> to? Can you get a somebody pass? Has to beg, Can you yeah, get a three-day pass? My, <laughs> somebody has to beg my uh, my family for. Well, that's like a platinum pass, which I think would be very three hard day to pass. get. Three-day pass. <laughs> yeah, that's platinum. That's like <laughs> platinum pass. That's quite hard. Let me just read the spiel. Um, let me read the write-up that that it's on Eventbrite. Um, like I said, Stuart's event. It's Luftwasser. It's uh, for Porsche enthusiasts. It was held in 2021. It was a huge success. Um, it's in the Aubrey Wodonga area, which is um, the border, right, Steve? I couldn't mm-hmm. get my geography right. And it's all Port about the New Port- South Wales and Victoria. Correct. Yeah. And it's all about the Porsche uh, sports car community. Um, 356s, 992s, Porsche racing cars will all be there. Um, and it's going to be held from April the 2nd to April the 4th, um, open mm-hmm. to all models of Porsche sports cars, Steve. So you mm-hmm. cannot drive your Macan. It's not allowed. No, no Cayans, no Macans, no Panameras, no Taycans. Lufwasa is packed mm-hmm. with three days of low-cost, low-key activities. Um, does so it does actually f- say that? Yes, it does. Cool. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. <laughs> no offense to Cayenne, Macans, Panameras or Taycans. No, no, plenty um, of offense. <clears throat> Big offense. Be offended. So it, it's, it's jam-packed. I mean, it's jam-packed. I mean, this is a great recommendation. And, you know, I, I would like to go with it, but I can't, you know, it's it's... I don't know if I can. April the second. I probably should. I probably will still, still be here. Town? I probably will still yeah. be here. Um, I'm not sure. Is that Easter? It must be just before Easter, I think. Maybe. So uh, early arrivals. There's a pre-event street party in Dean Street, Albury, on the Friday night. Saturday morning, um, you can go and see a display of around 200 Porsches in Norell. I think it's called Norell Park, Albury. So you can go and see that, uh, including 356s, iconic 911 Carreras and GTs. Uh, 930 turbos, transaxles, and latest 992s. Coffee and food and drinks available. Public are welcome, welcome to that one. Then there's a car display. Uh, there's a drive to a mystery destination before returning to the base for a gala dinner. And then Sunday sees the car's journey to, wow, these words, 
Banawafa Raceway, is that what you call it, for some spirited track action, spectators welcome, and then Monday's drive to Beechworth concludes the event with a fantastic lunch at Weathercraft Wines. Um, so if you want to go and check out that event, you can go to Eventbrite. Like I said, I'll put the link in, in the description of the podcast. Otherwise, you can send an email, and this is on um, Eventbrite, so I don't think it's private, Australia at gmail.com, and then go over to their Instagram, Steve. Their Instagram is at Luftwasser double S, uh, underscore Australia. That's at Lufwasa underscore Australia. I'll put it in the description. Um, I hope Is it goes that- well, Stuart. Um, thanks for reaching out. And I hope uh, I hope you guys, I hope a lot of people in Australia who are listening can actually go to it and, and support a, a really good Porsche enthusiast event. Steve? That, that, that word, Lufwasa? Is isn't that very 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 close to Luftwaffe, which is bad connotations? Is it? What's what's Luftwasser? Luftwaffe. Isn't that in Hogan's Heroes and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I have to look up that one later. Just move on. <laughs> Everyone knows that Wasser. Everyone knows that Wasser means wet. No, it means water. Mm. Air and water. Air and water. Steve, recommendation. Uh, Rupes. I borrowed my uncle's Rupes um, <laughs> polisher um, because I don't have one. And um, when I did the paint correction on my car, I used a puny little um, flex thing, blah, blah, blah. I've spoken about ad nauseum. But I started the um, correction on my wife's McCann. And this time around, I borrowed my uncle's larger, I think it's takes a six inch Rupert's pad. It's the Bigfoot Mark III, I think it is. And okay. it is noticeably better and more useful, although I still don't know how to use it properly. So yes, if you're kind of getting into all this car detailing and malarkey and paint correction, um, it is noticeably good. That's good. I so haven't, yeah. It's I have expensive though, to right? compare it to. In, yeah, they are. Like I haven't used um, sort of like I know there are a lot cheaper ones and I've not used them, um, so I can't kind of give you a comparison, but I can see why this is good, particularly if you're going to wind up doing multiple cars and stuff like that. Right. Sounds good. Um, Don't ask me how the correction on the McCann is going yet. Like I've only done the first step and... I'm kind of getting used to using this machine, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I can't take the car off the road for like five straight days. So I have to kind of um, stagger the steps. I can't believe you started it. Such a big job. I know. I always I'm think the Macan is small. I always stupid. think it's a small car. And then yesterday in Bunnings in the hardware store here, we, we saw one turbo. Very dirty one yep. though, not like yours, not sparkling. Mm. They look so big here. I don't understand how everything looks so big. I'd, they don't look yeah, big in Bahrain. Yeah, you laughed at me last podcast. I still I, think, I feel like it's a big <laughs> it kind of, big. you know. It is big. It's wide. Yeah, um, no, but, it's big. It's cool though. I'm still tempted to, I wouldn't mind getting one, but that's another story for another day. Hey, um, yeah, I want to do a shout out for a new Patreon member, um, for uh, Brennan. Brennan, hello. Yep. Brennan's going to be on an owner stories in a couple of weeks. Uh, Brennan's got a really good story and I'm definitely not going to give it away, but he's got two uh, air-cooled 911s um, mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's a couple of really good stories behind it and like I said I'm not going to give it away because it's coming up on owner stories and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really really good one so I'm recording that shortly and uh, Brennan will be coming up but thank you Brennan for um, supporting us on Porsche cooled 
any of you other guys who want to support us, I know a lot of people have been leaving Porsche Cooled, but anyone else that wants to support us, um, you just go to Porsche Cooled. No, what do you go to, Steve? Patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. <laughs> and you can join for as little as $2 per month. That's US dollars, of course. Um, all right, Steve. Yep. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into this. But you know I like to, uh, you know, we usually stagger this, but I'm going to go straight into it because I just want to um, read out a few reviews or the titles mm-hmm. of a few few reviews just because people, like mm-hmm. I say, go to the effort to to write these reviews and give us a star rating. Uh, yesterday we were at, um, not that I'm competitive, of course, um, to everyone else out there, but uh, we're number 36 <laughs> in the US Artists? yesterday. Number 36. You uh, didn't believe me last week when I said in the 30s, and we're in the 30s, Steve, the 30s. Uh-huh. Um, four new reviews this week, um, and that's the reason why we're up on the charts. People are leaving reviews and leaving star ratings, um, and it really does get us noticed. Steve, the first one, not in any order of when they were placed, though. It's just this is the first one. Good Porsche-orientated conversation. Two 911 owning friends in weekly chat about Porsches plus interesting informal interviews with other owners. It is mostly 911 orientated with a sprinkling of other models. Always an enjoyable listen. Someone actually said, and that's from uh, Forestial, United States of America. Thanks for leaving that uh, review. Just on that point, Steve, I have had that uh-huh. said to me a lot of times that we don't talk enough about Boxsters and Caymans and other models. You've said that many times. I've never yeah. owned one, so I can't really talk about it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And, and my reasoning for that is owner stories is what really that is all about. Um, you know, we don't... I guess we talk about 997s a lot because we know about 997s and 996s because you probably researched the 996. I don't know a lot about transaxles or boxsters, but that's why we have owner stories and that's why we have a lot of um, variety there. So that's um, that's my reasoning anyway. Yeah, I'm just scared to say stuff out loud about things that I have no proper experience of. And I just, <laughs> I've, I've driven them, but I've just never owned a Cayman or a boxster. I'd love to have one. I, I would absolutely love to kind of own one, but I just... Steve likes to be precise. I'm not that fast. (laughs) I don't like to open my mouth. Steve likes to be correct. I just open my mouth and upset people all the time lately, so I don't know what's going on. Um, Best two days of the week, Steve. Best two days of the week. A must for any Porsche enthusiast. A bi-weekly thoughtful, insightful, and enthusiastic glimpse into the magic of the Porsche brand. I'm not going to read it all all out. Um, Cool. Michael is very thoughtful in his approach to his owner story interviews. He always hits the nail on the head with the right questions. Thank you so much. And the listeners are hoping he asks. Extremely well done. Thank you. And Steve, for all your hard work and dedication, that's from Alan. I do know who Alan is. So thank you, Alan. Um, Alan's a supporter. Uh, Next one, informative, fun, and interesting, very relaxed podcast with great blend of owner stories and chit-chat. Highly recommended. That's from Benny. uh, PB. That's from Benny and Lukey in Brisbane, Australia. Thanks so much. And then the last one, just brilliant. Oh, this one's a bit about me, mate, so sorry. Michael deserves a real commendation. <laughs> Michael deserves a real commendation for uniting Porsche drivers around the world in an informative yet entertaining podcast. I look forward to every new episode. And until I found Porsche cooled, I never fully appreciated how many more of us Porsche struck enthusiasts there are out there. We are a strange breed. We can talk about that shortly. But in the podcast, we have a home for our obsession for an hour every week. That's from Dr. Honest Review, Australia. Thanks so much for that. Thank you for the people who have uh, taken the time to write a review. I know we all live busy lives. Steve, based Uh on that last little bit, we are a strange breed. Let's roll into the topic that we really don't know much about, but we're going to try it anyway. Yeah. 
What do you think about that? Are we a strange breed? Do people think Porsche owners are a strange breed? What is, you know, this, this typical uh, Porsche owner? So. And as a lead-in, right, as a lead-in, yep. you know, Porsche sales are at record levels. Everyone would have seen yep. that article that's been around every site this week that Porsche's pushed yep. out. Um, and, of course, it's at every level, at high levels, because Taycan is going crazy, SUVs are going crazy, cars are going crazy, right? Um, yep. And then the comment you said about smoking tyre, we talked about smoking tire. Do you want to leave? Well, with you that? mentioned it. Yeah, you I mentioned forget, that. I forget um, everything. I think it was a couple of podcasts ago. You mentioned the one where um, he had Doug Demura on. Who I'm sort of indifferent about Doug Demura, but whatever. Um, so I finally listened to it yesterday, the day before, and there was a little section in there. He used to work for Porsche North America. I'm assuming in oh, that's right marketing or PR or something like that, um, and. He just sort of went on a little rant, which I'll say, like, I sort of semi-agree with, like, about how he kind of uh, thinks that the culture and the ownership sort of thing has started to skew. Like, there's a fixation on paint-to-sample and deviated stitching and, you know, um, he sort of said that it's a bit of a pity because it used to be more about you know, like the driving and the engineering and people used to kind of be less cars and coffee and more, you know, sort of uh, driving experience oriented. And just I think he's he was basically sort of saying he's a bit sick and tired of like everybody kind of bragging about like their sort of individual colour and, you know, that sort of thing. So... It's interesting. I just kind of went, ah, oh, yeah, you know, like I kind of sort of a little bit agree with that where it mm. seems like it's bragging rights about, you know, how unique um, your car is or whatever else or how rare it is and all that type of stuff, which is they were sort of saying that used to be a bit of a Ferrari kind of owner trait um, and it had sort mm. of seeped into Porsche culture. I, I know they always say, I think it's Matt Farris says it, doesn't he? I think a lot of people say it. Maybe it's... Hmm. I don't think it's Spike. Someone says it all the time, but you go to a Cars and, cars and Coffee, Porsche Cars and Coffee or Cars and Coffee, and there's always uh-huh. a GT3 and it's always in PTS colors and there's like not just one, there's two, there's three, right? And I, right. Think, I think you have to see that through US eyes or through European eyes. And of course in the US, you know, huge Porsche market, Europe, huge Porsche market, you're going to see more of those cars because there's more on the road, right? There's more uh-huh. in your area. Australia is a little bit different. And New Zealand is a little bit different, you know, because we're not, it's not as saturated. You know, those cars still are, let's be honest, Steve, they're still pretty rare. You know, you go to a Waterhouse Cars yeah, sure. and Coffee, you might see one GT3 RS. Do you know what I mean, though? You go to, um, you go to yeah. you know, Waterhouse or whatever, there's a couple of, is it one GT3 RS? There's, you know, obviously a few GT3s and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit rarer in countries like Australia. And I think, oh, what, was, what was your point? I've lost the train of thought now. You just just, said it's changed. um, The whole thing has changed, you think? Yeah, well, that was his point in terms of it's kind of going towards sort of like the less about the driving and more about maybe sort of like, you know, the spec of your car and the way that it looks and the exclusivity of it and that type of thing. And sure, that's that's the case with new owners and that's the case with, I guess, let's call it, I don't know if it's top tier, but with a limited number of owners, that is obviously the case when you're buying new cars, right? Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's not about, I don't know how to get lead into this. It's not about sales numbers. You know, no. it's not about figures and stuff with this, you know, because the more and more owners I speak to on owner stories, 
the yep. more the common thread, right? The common thread, and you would have seen that you would have heard this as well, and other people would have heard this as well. You know, Porsche yep. ownership for the people that I've spoken to, the sixty-six people now, it's about passion. It's about connection, connecting with other people in the Porsche community, right? It's yep. the thrill of driving your dream car, not necessarily always fast, not necessarily always on the track, but just sure. the thrill of driving it, right? And it's about either hard work, it's about setting a goal at a young age and getting there. Um, it's not always about the poster on the wall. Um, as I said to you earlier, you know, a lot of people remember fondly, you know, the it's always the whale tail. It's always, yeah. not necessarily the turbo, but it's the whale tail, right? And it's not about showing off, but it's about the feeling that you have inside yourself that you feel, I don't know, you feel satisfied. You know what I mean? You feel that you've, that you've, I don't know if necessarily if you've made it, right? But yeah, you, sure, sure. you've made a promise to yourself. You said you would get a Porsche and, you know, it could be two years later. It could be 15 years later. It could be 20 years later. You get a Porsche and it's about that, that enjoyment when you first sit in that car, Stephen, as you've heard it many times before, you sit in that car and you drive yep. away and you think, wow, I've, I've got a 911. And I guess that's the history of the brand, right? That's the history of the brand sinking into so how are those things, I've just put it to you, um, this is completely unprepared. I think we're both kind of scrambling a tiny bit. Um, how do you think that is different from like, you know, BMW or if you want to be more specific, like MBMW or AMG or Ferrari, like those things I would have thought are fairly, the things, the things that you just pointed out would be kind of common with those well, drivers, owners, that group of kind of people too did you see the article the link i just sent you and it's i don't know how credible this is menswearstyle.co.uk yeah. um, yeah, and, and it's got the different it brands. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the different brands and this is what it says yeah. it says bmw yeah, yeah. enthusiasts are people who love the performance of their cars not unlike porsches they drive for the enjoyment of it and they, and they love nothing more than hitting the top speed in their luxury car, driving around the curve and feeling the handling they have at their fingertips. They are not driving so their BMW. They're not driving their BMW because of how it looks. They're driving it because they love the feeling of driving it. You wouldn't drive That's a some... BMW for how it looks, let's be honest, because a lot of them are not very very attractive. I'm sorry. They're not. The old ones are, but... They're not. The yeah, old ones are. I just kind of go... Sorry, but I just that article. I just kind of go, yeah, complete crock of shit. But Somebody's Steve, trying to make up stuff. Steve, Mercedes <laughs> yes. Benz. Someone who drives a Mercedes Benz will, be tend, will tend to be someone who is meticulous and has an eye for detail. They tend to they tend to worry far less about performance and speed and more about comfort and relaxation. That's complete true. bollocks. That's true. No, complete bollocks. <laughs> you think that's true? Do you honestly think that's true? I think I just kind of go, that's just rubbish. Absolute really? rubbish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is how where is the insight or how is that sort of um how how would anybody sort of qualify drawing those sort of generalizations, I guess? Let's go to Audi, because I was an ex Audi owner, and so are you. Being an Audi yeah. owner is like being a member of an exclusive club that only Audi owners know about. You are not told about this club before you get the Audi. You might simply be looking online at a personal car lease options to see what your next option is. See an Audi and suddenly you're in the owner's club instead. You will now be expected to greet other Audi owners as they only appreciate what a special car you both now have. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I I probably should uh, qualify my disdain for that type of stuff. So, like, I've worked in advertising for quite a long time and I'm on the creative side. 
And when you're in, when you have my job, you're often um, given like a brief, a written brief. Whenever you're kind of given a brief, it's kind of got like background and they always sort of ca- categorize like your target market. Yes. And they put that type of information into brief because you need to kind of work out who you're actually kind of targeting and talking to. Um, so you throw and, the brief out. If they, if, they, if they wrote this, you'd go, that's rubbish. That's, that's not well, true. Well, I'm used to kind of questioning like, it's like <laughs> how did you, how did, how on earth did you kind of go, hey, it's a secret men's club okay. because nobody's ever heard about it before. That's just like, that's crap. Can, can we then, can I read the Porsche part of this article? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, I want yeah, to get onto yeah. another article that, that I happen yep. to write a blog post for Drive Tribe <laughs> when I was to. doing it. <laughs> so Porsche, a Porsche lover, Porsche lover, is someone who, who, who is or wants to be successful. They are often quite intellectual car owners who tend to like to do fixes and improvements to their own car. A Porsche owner loves the sex appeal his car gives him and finds nothing better than getting a cheeky glance as they drive down the street. They will celebrate celebrate their brand's racing tradition and will usually try to take the car out to quiet roads as much as they can to feel the power and acceleration their car has to offer. Steve? That just makes me want to spew. I don't know. I I just I'm so cynical. Like because it's partly my job to question that type of stuff. Like you know, like it'd probably be most interesting to kind of get like a proper strategist, like a a planner to yeah. kind of dissect that type of stuff, but I just that to me reeks of just somebody making up a whole bunch of kind of stuff. Like I I I, I didn't really find much of that differentiated as well. Yeah. Like and you know this this the the drive tribe article right and that was based on yep. something that i'd you know was you know i wrote it and it was based on something that yeah. i'd seen and, and just wrote the article when i was doing drive tribe right long time ago now yep um it's going under too isn't it uh is it probably drive tribe yeah is it yeah, they're okay. pin on it. right you know this was you know you worked in advertising for a long time i did a, a business degree which had a huge marketing component right yeah, yeah. so these sort of yeah. things also annoy me because it, it just reminds me of the textbooks it reminds me of what you had to study yes. for the exam and, and the essays that you have to write the reports so it kind of yes. annoys me a bit but there was a there was this is an old study right and we just want to talk about it touch on it and just see if it's still a bit relevant but it was a request of Porsche uh, AG's new chairman of Porsche America it was done of quite mm-hmm. a few years ago. I can't remember what year it was done in, actually. Psychographics, Steve, is that what you call it? Study mm-hmm. of personality, values, attitudes, and lifestyles. Segmenting the market based on these traits provide a clear view of your target market, like what you were saying. Basically, you, basically knowing you're making the right... Steve's laughing. Basically, know you're making the right product and targeting your communications for this market and their values lifestyle. I feel like I'm writing an essay. Anyway, the report yeah. at the time said the typical owner is 40-something male, college graduate earning over 200000 per year. I read an article recently, this morning, it said you had to earn over $600,000 a year. This is US. I would assume that this may have now changed. This report was completed. This is my words, right? This was reported in around, completed in around 1995. So it's really old, right? You're at web 1.0, you know, mobile phone use is only new and Porsche hadn't really moved into the luxury SUV market into 2003, so the yep. market, market segments, as I said in the article, may have changed. It was, you know, internal yep. and external changes have happened in the world, right? Macro and micro. So yes. they identified these five types, Steve, which you know. And the first one, I hate these names. Excuse the names. I hate them. The first one was called Top Guns. <laughs> 
And that was 27%. That was the top. And top guns were described as driven and ambitious. Power and control are important. They expect to be noticed. Let's just go through all of them and then we come back with our comments. Elitist. (laughs) 24%. Old money. Car is just a car. The car is not an extension of personality. Proud patrons, which is what we are, I guess. Ownership is an end in itself. Car is a trophy for hard work. I don't know about trophy. Are these the Porsche purists is what I said in the article. Bon vivants, a person who devotes themselves, well, the, the definition of a bon vivant is a person who devotes themselves to a social and luxurious lifestyle, right? 17%. So they say jet setter, thrill seeker, car heightens their excitement, passionate about life, etc. Fantasists, car is a means to escape. They're not interested in pressing others, could feel guilty about owning one. Now I look at this now, and I hadn't read it for a while, Steve, and I'll tell you what I think. I think that we could be all a little bit of all of these, Right. It, it's sort I of merged. None of them. No, but I think it's a bit merged. No, if you look at not the names, right, but the yeah, descriptions, sure. the descriptions, yep. right, except for the Top Gun. But, you know, some of, you know, I'm guessing there's a lot of Porsche owners who are a mixture of a few of these things. It's, it's, it's more diverse. It's not so this is your group, this is what you are, you know. You're a stockbroker, you buy an 80s turbo. You know, it's not like going back to the 80s. You know what I mean? It's not that no, sort no, of no. thing. It doesn't work like that yet. I mean... This is showing its age. I don't know what the latest, uh, the latest reports are that come out of Porsche. I know you've had something to do with it years ago, but yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's very hard for me to kind of talk about it because it's close to, like I said, um, my profession and what I sort of do for a living. Um, so as everybody can tell, I'm just highly kind of cynical of some of this sort of stuff and the way that it's written particularly. Um, like I'm guessing that there might be some people that were listening to you read out that sort of um, that that again is sort of like part of a brief to it makes you cringe outline. Though, yeah, it does. It does, and I'm hoping that everybody else kind of out there is cringing too <laughs> because um, you just kind of go, "What the fuck does that any of that mean?" And how does that like? I don't like. I don't think people like to be put in a box. Admittedly, exactly. when you do my job, you actually do have to kind of somehow be categorised because in order for people to work out how to talk to you honestly and properly and all that sort of stuff, you do actually have to understand your audience. So that's fair. It's just that I hate how it's kind of written. Um, Okay. And I just, I don't know. Uh, It's very old though. It is very old. It is very old. Like, like a little, you you reminded me of a little um, side story. Um, Ages and ages ago, I worked on the Jaguar account. Yes. And um, this is in Australia, and I remember we had to kind of do some groups, like same thing, research groups. Yep. So in that in that particular instance, you have to kind of um, focus groups. You've got to recruit. You've, you've got to recruit people to kind of ask them questions to try to find out what people really think about it. Yep. But the thing that I'd sort of found incredulous, and I was saying this to my strategy friends, who are the people that hold these groups, is like. So you're trying to find people that earn, I think it was more than 400 Aussie a year right? Um, to get their opinion on what they think about JAG and JAG ownership or like if you're in the market to kind of buy that sort of car. It's like right. what kind of person who owns $400,000 a year is going to come to this little room, get paid <laughs> 80 bucks to do this group and eat those horrible little sandwiches and you know, dried up cut fruit? Like how, how can you realistically sort of take what that person says and and believe that they're realistic to the whole kind of, you know, um, JAG 
um, ownership sort of thing. Like that's yeah. a very specific person and then you're going to use what they say in that like one-hour group to kind of represent like the whole sort of thing. And that's my problem with this type of stuff. Sorry, I'm ranting, but. Um, no, I agree. So, yeah. I agree. I mean, obviously now we share so much data and, and these companies can find out. Yeah our information and what we think you. in different yes. ways, right? From the Instagram yes, yes, posts yes, we yes. like, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, here's another one. And this was, um, I think this was, and I'm going to quote it. I think it was from Porsche Colorado. It was on their site. I don't know how I came across this just before. Yep. Yep. The Porsche brand has been the focus of, of some of that research. Uh, it was about like any retail market, the automotive world has seemingly endless amounts of research done year after year. Porsche has been a part of that. And has been put together to see what the average age of Porsche owners and buyers is. The answer isn't one clear number. It's very written badly. This, but written badly. But actually varies depending on the model. Buyers of the fan favorite Porsche 911 model are often between 46 and 65 years. That's probably um, right. Do you the Porsche Boxster, probably about right. Um, yeah. On the average age, average age being 52. I think this is new cars, though. I think this is where this is what I want to come yes. back to. The Porsche Boxster, on the other hand, is often bought by persons who are 47 years of age or fall between 36 and 55 years of age. Yeah, they don't mention women in that. Um, I think they're talking about new cars, and I think the demographic yeah. on new cars is completely different. Because yes, you'd have to be to buy a new 911 here, as we know, a 911 Carrera S. I spec one out the other night in the way that I would buy it. It was 385,000. <laughs> Steve, three hundred and eighty-five. Wow, no, three hundred and sixty-five thousand. Minimal yep. options, which still were like thirty grand or something, because of the cost of the options. Yep. And yep. on the road, it was about three hundred sixty-five thousand. So that's a lot, right? That's a big commitment. Yeah, it's a, that's a it big is. commitment. And if you're getting finance, then you know you you you're going to be in trouble for a long time. Um, so who doesn't finance? You need a lot of money. <laughs> I don't like to finance. Um, so. I guess for new models, that's probably right. I mean, I think things are different now. And I think what I was yep. saying to you before, we're talking about how, you know, most people experience other brands before they get into Porsche, right? And I'm going back mm -hmm. to owner stories. And like I said to you yeah, before, yeah. I had some keywords that, that I was talking about, right? And, and from owner stories, it's always the same sort of thing. It's passionate, um, not necessarily rich, right? Um, people who love cars, owners who have experienced other brands, a lot of the time being BMW or Audi, right, or Merck, but normally BMW and Audi. Um, Porsche is not usually their first car, um, except for Rich from Owner Stories. I mean, sports car. Yeah, this first car. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant riches and rich people. But you <laughs> no, 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 Rich, rich from Owner <laughs> Stories. Uh, at yeah. Hi, Rich. You know, he, he was, you know, he paid it off and he, he paid his father back and, and, you know, all of that, but yeah, he got a 944 yeah. for his 16th birthday. So Porsche is not yeah. usually your first car. You know, it's usually, like we said, a reward for hard work. It's a special car. Um, but you know what? Has, thing, has it changed now? Because, you know, a lot of people are entering the Porsche world through 996s and 997s and Boxsters, or they have. Mm -hmm. Has this changed the de demographic, Steve? Is, is, has that made a big impact on the demographic? Or is it, and this is a question I want to ask you, and you already know what the question is, in the, in the 2000s, right, in the early 2000s, there was, yep. it was about cheap air-cooled, right? But Porsche didn't have <clears throat> the exposure that it has now due to GT cars and everything. It wasn't as popular. Yeah. Yep. So it was it, a more, it was a much smaller group yes. in terms of the number of people that owned it, and it was sort of um, definitely not as broad. Um, it was a much more focused kind of group of people um, and 
I don't know. Like, sort of try, let's try to take out all the kind of stupid marketing sort of strategic type sort of thing about it and just, you know, see what your impression of it is. Um, I feel like it has changed because back in those days, like, yeah, it was definitely kind of car enthusiasts. Like, um, I don't think, well, I'm not sort of saying that there weren't people that just, you know, kind of came into money and just sort of wanted to be cool, so therefore went and bought a Porsche. But I think back in those days, they were probably, like, definitely really, really into kind of cars. Um, I, you know, we were sort of debating this before we started recording as to... um, and even my uncle sort of said it to me, like, you know, back in those days, do you think you had to kind of be wealthy to kind of get into your first Porsche, like you used, like I'm not talking just into the brand, not a new one? I reckon, I don't think you had to be as wealthy. I keep sort of saying it, which is, you know, like I got in when I could and I tipped every single last penny that I had. I was a young guy. I wasn't sort of one of those where I had had my family schooled them and all of that sort of stuff and yeah. then waited for that moment i got in before i did all of that stuff yeah um but i still feel massive generalization just my opinion that it's harder to get into it now than it was is it right harder to get into new ones i think harder to get in but even the old ones are sort of like relatively I don't expensive know. Don't i mean i remember in 02 seeing porsche willoughby and standing there when i lived nearby yeah. Going for a walk with Tasha and looking and seeing Career Four Race and thinking, I, I didn't know how I how I could possibly get one of those. And I think at the time they were yeah. two hundred twenty five thousand or two hundred thirty thousand, right? Yeah, sorry, but that's different from like you kind of maybe trawling back in those days. There's no such thing as car sales. You would be looking in the paper, right? <laughs> You'd literally yeah. be trawling through the classifiers. This is me, and then I'm kind of opening up the paper and kind of going, ah, oh, okay, like you know, a nine six four for sixty grand or like a yeah. A G series would have been like 40 or something. It's like, oh, yeah, that's doable. Like, you know, like a new kind of hot hatch type thing would have been about maybe 25 plus, maybe to about 35. So you kind of went, yeah. oh, okay. So if I kind of save up like another 10 grand, I'll probably get myself into a old Porsche as opposed to getting into a new you know, performancey car. Easier entry. Whereas I reckon, yeah, if you're in that sort of boat right now where you're kind of going, you're into a new GTI, whatever, you know, maybe a BMW of sorts or whatever else. If you're in that market, but then you're kind of going, oh, actually, no, I'd much rather be in a 911 or, you know, sort of like um, a Cayman S or something like that. I reckon the leap between those two things is harder. I I could be wrong, but I think that it is. I think... And I think that's what changes, like, the group of uh, how you sort of look at the owners as well. Like I actually think it has become maybe a bit more elitist. Really? I don't yeah. know. More elitist? I don't know. To a degree. I don't mean it. I don't, and I don't know. I think it's not meant to sound in a snobby way, but just sort of feel like because it's harder, like I still rue the fact that I, I wish that people that just really, really loved cars, um, that it would be easier for them to kind of get into it because then that would sort of, negate some of that stuff that Doug DeMuro was talking about where people just keep banging on about deviated stitching and paint to sample and it was sort of a little bit more grassroots. Yeah, but I think that there are those people because the people who love cars they are, Hmm. they're getting into the cheaper end like us, like me, right? Like people who bought 996s. And let's be honest, you could have got a 996 in Australia not long ago for 39 grand. They were were there and it wasn't that long ago. You know what I mean? So you, you can get in there. The new side of the car 
is a different thing. It's like watches and cars. It's yeah. like you've got the passion, you know, even if you have the money, you can't do it. Or maybe you can't get that money because the prices are insane, like the price I just quoted. You know what I mean? Like 400000 yeah, sure, 500000 sure. for a GT3. You know, it's a lot of money. Sure. It's a lot of money, yeah. especially in Australia where, you know, some people have houses who, you know, not most people now, the house prices have gone crazy, but some people still live in houses that are sub $1 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot yeah. of people. So, you know, 500000 for a car is a big investment. And then also people are scared of the, the ownership cost, you know, the cost of servicing, which we know is not yeah, as yeah. scary, but based on but my... But it's still scary. But it can be yeah. scary when you get a big bill yeah. and it's a big bill. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we laugh about yeah. it, but we have the ability to pay for it. You know what I mean? So it's you got to kind of look at that side of it as well. But I don't know if it's elite. I think the new side of it is like watches and stuff like that, Steve. It has become a little bit yes. like that where you, you got the yes. passion and you just can't do it. And I think that's sad. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, demand, right? When the demand becomes so big, everything changes. But, but yeah, buying I was sort of saying this to you. Like I don't, I, I don't in, in the big bad sort of reality that is – you know, like the world, like you don't, I don't necessarily blame Porsche as a brand because it's a business. Like, you know, like they're trying to sell cars and they're trying to make money. They've got shareholders, all that sort of stuff. So what the way that it works is that rather than just speaking to like the core group of sort of driving enthusiasts, um, they speak to young people, they speak to women, they speak to, you know, like the Chinese or the Indian or the Russian market or whatever it is, like the growing markets. And, uh, they try to sell as many cars as they can. And what that does is that like to somebody like me kind of semi dilutes the brand because I kind of hanker for, you know, when people weren't driving it just for the prestige or the status of it. Like I kind of like the notion of, you know, like the people are more enthusiastic about it, but that's the way they kind of grow the company and they make more money and they can fund the new GT cars and all of that sort yeah. of stuff. So like I, I you do understand, that that's just the way that you know the world works it's just yes. funny how it just sort of turns like that yeah but we have to we have to you know we have to applaud porsche for bringing out the cayenne and the macan and all those yeah, cars yeah, because it saved yeah. the company right and the company's still yeah. around and it, and it could have been worse you know what i mean it could have been much worse so they did actually you know make a good decision then, there yeah and then credit to them is that they didn't stop making cars that meet you know um what we kind of want like there yes. are gt cars and there are career t's and there There's are manuals. you know really good kind of caymans and stuff like they still and no diesel they still hold true well but you know what i'm saying like <laughs> they still hold true to their kind of um heritage which is really well engineered cars for driving enthusiasts and all of that sort of stuff it's just that there are also other cars that um aren't quite so purposeful and specific to yeah. that particular task yeah but I read these out to you earlier, Steve, and these are just things I yeah. pulled off different articles and different forums and stuff. And I thought some of them were quite true. Let me know what you think, yeah. if you think they're, they're true. Porsche ownership is for enthusiasts. It's, this is just people talking about, a lot of people who own Porsche. Porsche ownership is for enthusiasts. It's for people who enjoy the ride regardless of the price tag. Mm, not sure. I don't, like in this day and age, maybe not. Porsche owners are not all the same. I agree. We're a diverse yes. group of people whose mutual affection for a cool little German sports car happens to put us on common ground. I think that's a really good statement. Yep. <laughs> okay. yep. No, I think it's quite a good one. You know, we're not all, you know, you realize the more important people we speak to, reach out to, you know, but it is that commonality of, of the 911, of the Porsche, of, you know, of the brand. 
Um, I don't yeah. know. I think that's pretty good, that one. Purchasing a sports yeah, yeah. car. Purchasing a sports car like a 911 is something many people make as a silent promise to themselves. You didn't like that one, did you? Uh, no, I, what I took from that is that I like um, is that it can be quite a selfish kind of um, uh, driving alone. decision. Yeah. No, no, no. Like um, sort of, but I don't know if that's sort of specific to Porsche. I reckon that's any sports car where you kind of go, hey, I really, really, you know, like my dream is to kind of get like a 911 or a Ferrari or a M3 or whatever. And you save and save and you work really hard and then you kind of get there. Mm. Um, mm. That generally is quite a sort of specific thing. You're not doing that for necessarily the greater good of anything. Like that really is just something that you, yeah. um, you know, it's a very personal kind of goal. True. I think I think this next one is is pretty relevant though you know yeah um about most porsche owners i love them for the lines the sound the smell the ingenuity and the marvelous engineering the nostalgia the driving feel the racing pedigree yeah i think that's that's a good way to explain you know a porsche owner don't you think i what think that's what attracts people to the brand yeah what attracts people and, to the brand yeah 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 and that's true like um again like credit to porsche is that it's got amazing motorsport heritage, which not everybody kind of has. Like, yes. there are things like uh, BMW M cars, Jag, Jag, and Lotus have some of that kind of heritage. But nobody's nobody's been smart enough to kind of strike the balance of racing and you know racing in Le Mans or um, you know having their own kind of Carrera Cup and all of that sort of stuff and supporting people in that regard, but still sell consumer cars. The really yeah. clever thing about Porsche is that they're just doing all of it all at the same time in the kind of right sort of way and not forgetting um, like the engineering and the motorsport stuff. Yeah, true, true. And I guess uh, all Which the, obviously takes money and commitment. Yeah. And I guess all these things, what are these things, what you call these things we're reading out? It's like how a Porsche owner thinks, right? It's basically sort of trying to... Insights? Insights. To insights. Yeah, the insights. Yeah. Um, the typical Porsche owner is a serious car enthusiast. You disagree with that, right? Yeah, because I don't think all of them are. I do think like maybe now these days there will be people that buy into it more for status kind of thing um, and what it says about them as opposed to necessarily really appreciating like the engineering behind it or, you know, that type of thing. Mm. You know, like sort of buying into it for the fact that it's a Porsche as opposed to, you know, necessarily kind of going, well, um, understanding so how well it handles or how like well-engineered the engine is. But that comes that once you become an owner though, doesn't it? I guess maybe the reasons why you buy it, some reasons that some people buy it, and then once you've got it, then you realise, then you see the other things. Yeah, maybe. It but changes. that's a big leap of faith. That is but it's a big, like a reward, you know, like isn't it? Spend. So you think it's more yeah. a reward. A Porsche, a 911 or a Porsche of any sort is a, is a reward to yourself. So it's a selfish act. Uh, yeah, I do think so. <laughs> I know it always has been for me. It's like everybody else. I'm buying a 911. Yeah, no. I'm buying a GT3. I don't care how loud it is. I don't yeah. care about well, my neighbors. But see, like, again, I, I do sort of think timing is an interesting one. I think you mentioned it yes. somewhere, but... You're this is the last get one. Into it. The last oh, one okay. is timing. Well, timing, 
Another one was timing. This was someone's comment, right? So I'll read it and how they've written it. Timing for me was all about affordability at the time of my life. Two of my kids were adults and the youngest was under 10. So the financial burden of additional school fees had reduced. So it's financial. The financial so your financial situation has changed, whether or not you've got more disposable income or whether or not you've got more salary, whatever it is. And I completely agree with that because, like, everybody dreams about owning a sports car, but um, it, it's a big step. So these days, like, you kind of go, there's, it seems like there's a ton of people that kind of do it after they've bought their sort of, you know, forever house, they've had their kids and they've schooled them and all of that type of stuff if you're, you know, I'm, again, generalizing, yes. um, you do all of that sort of stuff and you make all those kind of financial commitments. And then once you're, once it's available to you and you can actually go and spend the money after you've kind of done all those things, you get into a Porsche. Yeah, true. And I'm going to take a wild guess that that's probably the majority of people. Um, then there would be the other people, which was like me 20, you know, 20 something years ago, where it's like, didn't have family, didn't have other commitments, you know, I did it before I got a mortgage, all of that sort of stuff. And I was yeah. just that Sensible. sort of batshit crazy <laughs> that I'd tip every <laughs> single penny into kind of getting the car first. And in a weird sort of way, it kind of also did work because yes. the fact that they didn't drop their value, like I've said to you in the past, just, you know, like if in the past, like you had 60 grand and you sunk, your foot, you know, that was okay. every penny that you owned, at least your 60 grand didn't turn into 15 grand and then you were basically screwed. Like your 60 grand sort of, you know, may have been 50 grand and it let you kind of kept, kept, keep going sort of thing. Okay. Um, Do you think then, sorry, sorry. do you think then that's how it's changed today? That people unfortunately see Porsche as an investment. They see that it appreciates and they want it. A lot of new owners yes. are coming in wanting it yes. as a pure investment and not that they really want the car. Yes. I, I do think like that. A little, bit what Ferrari, a little bit happened to Ferrari as well, right? People just buy it because they yeah, don't yeah, necessarily yeah, yeah. want to drive the Ferrari. They just want it as purely as an investment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I won't name names, but even my, um, I think my brother-in-law was telling me a sort of uh, an example of that. Um, and I just kind of got the feeling he was, uh, he showed me a car and just sort of said a friend of his got a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh yeah. But it struck me as like, oh, he was purely doing that for financial reasons, wasn't he? Like, mm. Um, mm. And oh, I don't know, maybe it sounds snobby or wankery of me kind of thing, but I just kind of go, oh, wouldn't that car be better served? Like um, being owned and driven by yeah. somebody who really appreciated it for what it was as opposed to it being an object of that is an asset that makes money or a status symbol or whatever else. Like it would be ideally cooler yeah. if that stayed in the sort of enthusiast kind of realm. And look, I, I know I'm kind of talking complete nonsense because that's no, like an idyllic world of, you know, that's not reality. But um, Back to the original thing, I think I think that's what Doug DeMiro was kind of getting to, which is, um, it's just um, look your your listenership, like anybody that's listening to this, is not going to fall into any of this kind of category. Like if you're listening to this podcast, then you're more like-minded and you're not the sort of person that I'm talking about. But um, I do think that it's a bit of a pity that it seems to maybe kind of going that way. Well, you know, seeing a Porsche as an investment like we were spoken about last week or the week before, I forget when it was, 
you know, they can't, let's not make them so precious that they're not drivable, that, that you don't want to enjoy it, that you don't want to drive it. And this whole investment and this whole price thing that's happening, yeah, a lot of models are becoming like that. So they're taken off the market and people aren't allowed to, people aren't getting to enjoy enjoy them. You know what I mean? They're not enjoying them. It's just purely a dollar, dollar and cents thing. It's just like buying crypto or investing in stocks. That's all it is. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm not sort of sitting on my heart because I think I keep sort of saying that type of thing too. But like, obviously it's an upside to all of us owning Porsches, which is, oh shit. Like it's turned out to be a really smart sort of decision. Um, so I'm not kind of going, oh, I definitely wish it wasn't like that. Like I'm still kind of going, oh, <laughs> Look yes. at me, like I've kind of money. Yeah, I've made I've, <laughs> I've theoretically <laughs> Yeah, I've theoretically made money, but it is theory. Um and it does it does justify your decisions and it does make you feel better because you've kind of not, you know, tanked half your you know Mate. the equity that you've kind of put into something. But um so it would be a lie for me to say otherwise. Yeah. But you um, if it you makes sold you feel your smarter. car tomorrow, imagine how much money you'd have in your pocket. Yeah, but then what would I buy with that money in my pocket? <laughs> That's the next problem. Um, so it does, like, it's, it is it is cool that, like, this kind of has happened for people like us that are already in it. Um, but yeah. I do kind of go, oh, it's a bit hard. It does make it harder for people that, you know, you'd love to kind of have in the kind of community, but they can't stretch. Um, and yeah, that's a sad they've made it harder. And it's, Every it's going to other people harder. that maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Every year it's become more and more difficult. Like you feel like you got in. I know when I even when I got in, I thought I was too late. You know what I mean? And I was too late for certain models. But now looking back on it, five years ago almost in February, yeah, I wasn't yeah. too late. You know what I mean? I wasn't too late at all. Yeah, and it's never too late. You know, it's like for anybody that's thinking about it, never too late. Like if you can do it, definitely do it. It's cool as and it's fun as. But um, yep, it's just a pity that it's maybe become a little bit harder or. Maybe, I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but if you kind of go the people that can afford all the new ones and they are sort of, you know, sort of showing them off as a bit more of a thing of status or whatever else, like... Um, multiple ones off, showing multiple ones off too. Do you necessarily want to be represented or thought of in the same sort of um, thing yep. as that? Like, Good point. No, I don't. I Good don't. point. Okay, but, on that point, Steve... Let's leave, but yep. I want to finish with this one question. Sorry, I really rambled. <laughs> I want to finish with this one question because that's a good one you said. Do you want to be seen as a people? So based on the Porsche America yep. Commission study yep. and the and the five personality types that they outlined. Oh, God, you're not going to ask <laughs> Which this, one? <laughs> Which one, Steve, do you see you? Are you a Top Gun? Are you an elitist? I am definitely Are you a, a proud gun. patron? Are you a bon vivant? Are you a fantasist? Which one are you? If if I have to choose that, yes. Like you are right that you are a proud sort of patron. Um, that is the enthusiast kind of part of that brief or that um, sort of target audience breakdown. I think so too. But like same thing, like um, if you posted that on Instagram and then you ask people to kind of want to be put in one of those categories, like everybody's going to vomit in their mouths and kind of go, <laughs> I, know, I don't want to be in any of those groups. But this, you know, no doubt Porsche, you know, no doubt Porsche is still doing these sort of studies, right, in different ways with, with social and whatever. They're still doing yeah. this collection of data. It'd be great to see some current information, actually. It'd be great to see what they're collecting now and what, what the information is. I should caveat this too, like like a lot of my really good friends, some of my best friends are strategists and they write these things. 
Um, right. And I say this to their faces in terms of Hello, sometimes Steve's the way friends. that it's written. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, I do kind of get it. It's a difficult task to kind of try to segment people and then describe them. But, you know, for the fer- very fact that you're trying to group them into, like, um, a segment means that you're you're not um, mm. you're not sort of you're not giving them the ability to be an individual as well, I guess. But even you know car sales, even if it's exhibitions, you still have to you still have to look at who you even with exhibitions, right? You have to look yes. at who your visitor is going to be. You of need course, to know who your visitor course. is going to be. You need to know what how you're going to give that get the story across. And yeah, you know the you client, know who and, to. and then the client always wants to know what the takeaway is. What are they going to take away? Yes. What are they going to remember when they leave? You yes. know what I mean? Are they going to tell other people? Yep. Are they going to share it? Are they going to tweet it? Are they going to post it? You know, so it's all about that. And unfortunately, it's not going to go away. Not with the likes of Meta. Is it Meta? Facebook, with Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook and all these other things. Everyone's collecting data. It's all about. Um, they want to know who we are. I'm sure Porsche Podcast so actually helps them when they hear owner stories. They get a lot of information from that. Final question then for yes, you is what go. do you think what what do you think people like the general population therefore think about a Porsche owner? Like a normal person, not an enthusiast. General person in the street? Yep. So like, you know, your mother in law who might not be into cars or your your brother who's not into cars or probably flashy. Mm-hmm. Probably flashy, probably expensive. Yep. And do you think it all was always like that, or do you think it's changed? Like, if you sort of ask the same question, like twenty years ago, mm, I think people who don't know about the brand might still see it in that way. I hate to say it, people who don't really know about nine elevens. I told you my story with my with my niece, right? When I showed her the car for the first time, her and, yep. and our husband, and then yep. I opened the back and she said, "Oh, the engine's in the boot." Yes. She had no idea. And I think that, you know, I laughed, but then I think how many other people are, are out there that like that? People, were, people who look at me, when I, people. People who look at me yeah. when I open the front of the car and put the six packs of water in the front, you know, yeah. they're probably going, oh, there's no engine in there. I, I think, you know, we forget <laughs> yeah. that we, we know so much about the brand and we, we're so deep into it. You know, we're, so, we're, we're all such enthusiasts, like you said, that listen to the podcast um, and listen yes. to other Porsche podcasts that we forget that, you know, it's... It's the perception of, of everyone else, isn't it, how they see us? And I think maybe you've just answered it for me. Like I think I reckon what's changed is that I reckon from 20 years ago or more to now is that I, my guess is that people sort of think a Porsche owner is flashier than it used to be and that's what I don't like about it. I think probably I reckon like um, in the past it hasn't necessarily been as kind of overtly flash and i think it's right. kind of crept towards that sort of slight sort of ferrari vibe which is what i dislike about um mm. you know where it's evolved mm. maybe i'm not sure about that i do know though and i've said this many times before steve is when i'm driving on the road i feel yeah. that there, and i'm respectful anyway but i feel that there is a lot of yeah. I, I feel there's more respect when i'm in the 911 than what it was when i was in the audi and I don't know why, but I feel like there is where people will let me in. People will, yeah, if I yeah. let someone in, yeah. they'll they'll put their hand out the window and wave where they didn't before. So I feel yeah. in that respect, I think, I don't know why that happens. I still, it confuses me, but I feel like there is more respect. Like, you know, because even when I'm coming nice, out of a park, yeah, coming out of a park, someone will like wait for you. you know, I can where, answer before that for they you, used to run I me reckon, down. 
your car is not so overt. It's silver. It's a sophisticated, like it's a very kind of classic design, all of that sort of stuff. Like your car is not super flash, but if you were in sort of like a lava orange, <laughs> you know, GT, GT3 RS, yep. like with a massive wing and a huge exhaust and all of that People sort would of hate stuff, me. I think you'd probably get slightly different treatment maybe. Right. That's a good test. Go and buy one. <laughs> Just go and test. buy one and do the test. And then I'll send the results yeah, yeah. to Porsche and say, these are the results of my uh, yeah. sample. What is it? Yeah. Random sample. You, your uh, focus group. Focus group. Focus group. I did a focus group yeah. for you, Porsche. Steve, let's end. We're finished. Cool. Sorry, I'll apologize. I know I've just kind of went off in massive tangents and ranted because it was uh, close to stuff that I'm used to, which I have Very strong good. opinions about. So are you going to go out and change your exhaust over today? Nope. Okay, nope. good. I'm going to wait for another drive with you guys and see how it goes and then probably sit on the fence for a bit and just sort of see. But, yeah, I don't know. All right, mate. Thanks. Cool. Let's go. Cheers. Cheers. All right, everyone. Uh, that's Steve. My name is Michael Bath. Um, and that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Bye for now. Bye.